We are The Purposeful Project. We help entrepreneurs for free. Welcome to today's pep talk, where we'll take just 20 minutes to interview leading experts from around the world who share actionable know-how, insights and life lessons. To hear these incredible insights, follow us on Spotify, Apple Music or anywhere you listen to podcasts, or you can simply visit thepurposefulproject.com, sign up to our mailing list and get the podcast in your inbox every single week. But Evan, um, it's great to have you here too. Now, uh, for those that don't know you, uh, would you mind just taking a minute to explain a little bit about um, what you're doing at housekeeping and, and your background? Uh, part of the team of seven, managing about half a billion investing in young growing companies, and then eventually had that age to do it myself um, and struck out and started Housekeep. Housekeep does what it sounds like on the tin, matches up households and cleaners, um, and has broadly been uh, sort of successful. So we've done a million house cleans, 4.9 star average rating. Um, we make cleaners' lives better by putting more money into their pockets. We make customers' lives better by putting more time into their pockets. Um, and we're named in the FT1000 fastest growing companies this year and for the last two years as well, which is it's nice. It's a very impressive resume. A million homes, oh, that, that million cleans, that, that's, that's a lot of cleaning because that, that's not just going in and cleaning the kitchen, that's cleaning the whole house. That's, that's a lot of work right there. Well, I'm, I, I guess today um, you're kindly going to share your views on raising funds and not raising funds. This is a subject that comes up a lot with, with my community. Should, should we raise money? Should we not raise money? When should we raise money? How much money should we raise? Um, but maybe um, you could start by telling us your view on this and then maybe your own personal experience with, with raising money. Yeah, and um, well, perhaps if I did the, the other way around to give some context. So I guess my career was, was uh, sometimes much maligned uh, venture capital investor writing five to 15 million pound checks in young fast growing businesses. Uh, I've been an angel investor in about 30, 40 businesses personally, of which I'm involved in small handful, um, uh, writing obviously much smaller checks and I've raised money twice for housekeep, both roughly half a million pound rounds right at the start uh, and then a, a year later. Um, and, and I really think raising money is one of those um, uh, things where there's a lot of pressure to do it, but I think what, what you as a founder or as a business owner need to do is step back and ask why you're trying to do that. And I think there are probably... Um, a couple of good reasons to do it. One would be um, if you think you're facing uh, very difficult market conditions, you think it's a winner-takes-all kind of market, there are monopoly effects, the very heavy competition, you think you need capital to beat them, that would be one reason. I don't think that's true, by the way, for the business that, that, that I run at Housekeep. I don't really see monopoly effects in the way uh, cleaners or customers behave. It's not really a marketplace in that sense. Uh, you know, you can have one cleaner make them happy and then get another cleaner. You don't need capital to do that. Um, and I think the second reason is if you specifically only want to build a business worth hundreds of millions of pounds or billions of pounds, uh, you know, at that point, it makes sense to own much less of the company, uh, but really have lots of capital to try to get there to the other side. Uh, whereas actually, if you're comfortable saying, hey, this could take me a decade, it could take me two decades, I don't see that you That's a fascinating insight. There are a lot of businesses out there that um, are, I guess, service-based, but what they raise money for is the technology on the back end. So, I mean, I know in your business, you, you, you do have technology, right? So 
What do you yeah. think of that point when it comes to, because a lot of people want to raise money to build out their technology. They think, like you say, there's, 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 there's people that you can hire to do the work and then charge the client and make the money. That's fine. But, yeah. but what about that point? I, so, so technology is very interesting, very interesting for, for, for our business. So, you know, we think about housekeepers sitting at the intersection of people and data, right? So there are lots of people doing lots of things, whether they be a customer or cleaner, there are just people doing things, visiting homes, editing cleans, whatever it might be. And then there's data, there's all these data points that sit around any specific clean, you know, hundreds of data points around any specific clean, but also lots of cleans themselves. And we don't really think of technology as a, um, a good in itself. We think of technology as doing something for a user or doing something for the business. Typically, it makes the user's life better because they can pay online rather than paying through cash. Or it makes the business better. And that typically means makes the business more scalable, uh, makes it more efficient because we build the ability for customers and uh, cleaners to communicate with one another through two-way chat rather than you know, emailing us and visiting that clean party and going back and forth and so on. Now, I think if you take our specific example in cleaning, the most efficient way to run a house cleaning business is for there to be some person with a mobile phone, probably an Excel spreadsheet, maybe, you know, maybe something a bit more complicated, but you don't need very much technology. And I'd say that the most efficient model is some person knows everything about these 20 cleaners, can in their head know what their routes are, what their jobs are, what their customers like, if they're on holiday, blah, blah, blah. And could somebody can do that. The problem is you can't do 100 cleaners, you can't do 1,000 cleaners, you can't do 10. So actually, I'd say technology makes us far more inefficient for a period of time. You know, you put in all this overhead and tech cost, and it's worse than this this dude or, or, or so on with a mobile phone. So I, I, I think there are dangers as well, and I think people often build technology because they feel like they should. But I, I guess I'd ask people to say, what's the purpose? Are you making users' life better? Are you making this more scalable or efficient? It's an interesting thing. I just interviewed the founder of Reebok. Um, he's 85 yeah. years old, so tech savvy, it blew my mind. And I asked him if he built a shoe company again today, you know, what would he do? And I was expecting him to talk about the technology of like 3D printing and stuff. And he said, I'd, I'd, just, I'd just make sure that we had good salespeople. Yeah. Which, yeah. I, which I thought was fascinating, you know, kind of going back to basics. And this is a very tech savvy 85 year old. So he's not just talking yeah. about the past, but, but sales. And, is and this is. Yeah, and this is absolutely true for us. So um, we, people think that what we're building is Uber for cleaners. And, you know, it's easy, it's pithy to explain. So sometimes we say, yes, we're building Uber for cleaners. But actually, in the house cleaning market, almost all of the value is in recurring repeat customers who want to clean at the same time every week because they just spend a lot more money than these ad hoc customers who, you know, theoretically book a, book a cleaner in a taxi. And what these guys care about, and this is, you know, not, not rocket science, they care about getting the house clean. They don't really care about online payment, two-way chat, you know, cool buttons. Uh, they care about <laughs> cleaning who cleans the house. And, you know, it's, it's with Reebok, they, they're buying a pair of shoes. They're not buying technology, you know, and, and it's exactly the same for us. So I'd, I'd, I'd concur. I think, yeah, the founder of Reebok obviously knows his stuff and uh, I'm sure he doesn't need me to 
Well, I mean, I'm sure he'll like to hear it. I'll pass on the message. But, um, <laughs> but no, I, I think it is fascinating. And again, when we're talking about the subject of raise money or not raise money, um, my, my personal opinion is that nine times out of 10, you can actually make your business work by just yeah. selling more <laughs> or, or yeah. you know, and being managing cash flow better. But it has become quite trendy to raise money. So I guess two things for you. One, when you were when you were writing these big checks and investing in people, what were you looking for? And and today, um, you know, if you were to do your business itself, have you raised money? How how do you look at your business in the future? Do you think you never need to raise money? Yeah. So. Um, there's probably, and, and um, I'm happy to, uh, to to admit that maybe my, uh, you know, as an investor who'd never really done anything but had sat in a strategy consulting firm and a, a bank and so on, perhaps I didn't, I didn't know everything about everything. Who, who, who knew in my late 20s? Who does? Who, who does? <laughs> but of course now, you know, they've uh, filled all the gaps, I'm sure. Now, uh, you, know, now you know everything, exactly. <laughs> exactly, exactly. That's what you think. <laughs> Until you know, back. Back. Totally. Uh, uh, and um, uh, so I, I think at the time I, w- I would be asked to give you a very clear framework. I would have said what we look for is we look for outstanding teams who have built businesses with really strong unit economics with big market opportunity. So a good example of that would be Streetcar, which Zipcar in the UK and we float on Nasdaq. So I was involved in the, in the, in the, in the transaction there and the board and. Um, you know, streetcar had great unit economics. Every car made good good money. Every customer made good money, but it was losing money bottom line because it was growing so fast. They were investing in customer service and operations and so on. Today, there's a big market ahead. We think this is the team to deliver it. You know, great. Let, let, let's go. And, and that was a very successful uh, investment for us. I think when I now look at teams, and, and, and there are lots of people building marketplaces for something or the other. Um, I, I really focus much, much more on, on the team. And I think what I've realized having done something myself, I've got much more to do, but having actually done some proper work myself as a, as a founder and business owner, um, what, what you're gonna face as a, a founder is hundreds, maybe, maybe more um, uh, challenges every year that are new and unexpected that you don't have the, the wherewithal to solve. You know, you don't know how to be a marketing person. You don't know how to build your first line of tech. You don't know how to launch a new system. You don't know how to launch a new service line. This, this problem, this, this, these problems are always facing and they're always new. So what I would look at now, really focus on, is can these, can these founders prove that they have solved multiple unexpected new problems on repeat so far? And does that give me confidence they're going to be able to do that in the future? And, and, and a good way to to judge that is if people can tell you counterintuitive things about their market that seem blindingly obvious. Um, and I, I won't digress this too long, but I remember when I started, people used to say to me, what you should do is you should look for hotel cleaners because hotel cleaners uh, are gonna make the you know, homes look beautiful, you'll get great ratings. And I'd spent a lot of time with cleaners by this point. And if you think about a hotel cleaner, they clean the room every day. And so there's no inbuilt grime or lime scale or so on in London. And so hotel teams are used to wiping things. They're not used to scrubbing things. It makes a big difference when you take a hotel cleaner into a home because they wipe things that actually need some spray, they need to weigh, they need scrubbing. And, you know, it's really obvious when someone tells you this, but you need, 
you, you look for people who have a myriad of these slightly boring, weird stories that show that they know what they're doing inside out, they know the users of the market inside out. Um, so that, that's what I would uh, look for. Uh, I apologize, your second question was around us raising money, I think. Yes, that's right. Yeah, I was, I was interested. By the way, that's a really fascinating point you've made there. I think um, a lot of investment firms will say, we'll invest in a company. We, you know, we invest in yeah. the founder, of course, but, but then I never, I've never heard anybody actually say they're looking for a founder that has deep knowledge in, in the sector they're in, right? That's kind of, it's kind of an interesting insight there. Yeah, and it could be deep knowledge that you have because you know everything about offshore oil and gas or whatever it might be. Or it could be deep knowledge because you have figured stuff out because you just keep chipping away and understanding your users market and I'm you know I don't know anything particularly about cleaning I'm just uh, you know starting to get to know the industry by, by sort of brute force at times I suppose um, and, I, I, and I think you know I look back at on, on my investing days and the reality was we said we backed great teams but we almost always had to strengthen that team I'd say nine times out of ten we'd bring in a CFO seven times out of ten we'd bring in a COO Probably five times out of ten, we'd be replacing the CEO at some point in that journey. I mean, is that, that? There's even investment companies that are blatant about it. They, they invest yeah. in a company and replace the whole team. Yeah, yeah, and and I think it makes a lot of sense. You know, getting from zero to one million or five million of sales, you, you need to have ideas to start. You need to be good at selling because otherwise, no one's bought your product. You're probably not so good at operations, team building setting OKRs, you know, it probably doesn't interest you. And so I don't think it's very surprising to think that the founder journey is quite different to the CEO journey. Um, and so, you know, I think that, that's a perfectly perfect point. Yeah, and uh, I think that if people listening might be thinking, well, okay, so deep knowledge, but Elon Musk, does he have deep knowledge of space? What's interesting, I think, about his pitch is he's talking about the end conclusion if we don't do something about it. So he's, he's thought through the end of the human race if we're not on Mars yeah. in the next 30 years. And, and that is a big motivator. He doesn't necessarily need to know everything there is to know about space because he can hire experts, but he yeah. has thought through intellectually what could happen if we don't fix this problem of being a one planetary species, right? Yeah. So that's kind of an interesting way to go. Yeah, and certainly Elon Musk has, I mean, he's obviously exceptionally bright. He's obviously exceptionally motivated. And that's a good example where you do need capital because you, I mean, you know, maybe if I spent long enough, I could figure out how to get a rocket on, on Mars without, without any external capital. But it's going to take me a very, very long time. Um, you know, I think I'm quite good at my job. I'm not that good. So. Well, Elon Musk, Elon Musk tweets every week that he just wants to take Tesla private. So there's always that. I guess that yeah. tension isn't there between yeah. having the capital to grow the business and, and the people that have put capital in wanting a return yeah. too quick. Um, yes. I guess that's that's the rub, isn't it? But but in your business, um, I guess I was asking, have you raised money? Do you plan to raise money? But I also wanted to ask, you know, why did you get into this space, considering you didn't have a background in it? Yeah, so on the capital, we raised uh, about half a million pounds pretty much day one. Uh, that was just me uh, raised another half million pounds a year in, so 2014-2015. Um, and now the business is effectively raises money from its customers and, and who, who pay us money for every clean that they uh, transact on. And so uh, we don't plan to raise any external capital um, going forward. Um, the, the, the interest in this space was, um, like I say, my, my background was you know pretty structured sort of learning and, and, and 
you know, the investor side. And I sat down and, and, and actually I, I moved to a part-time role initially. So I was still sat on some boards and, and, and um, said, okay, wh what are the attributes that I've seen that work? Um, and I think, you know, I'd, I'd been invested in their soft drinks business, a couple of legal services businesses, things like streetcar, zip car, whole host of different things. And um, the three ingredients that I was looking for that were right for me were I was looking for a big market for something, a fragmented supply base where you can do it better. And you could apply that logic to Pret for sandwich shops. You could apply that logic to Timpsons for shoe, shoe repairs and, and locksmiths. You could apply that logic to pets at home for pet stores. And I actually thought, you know, I'd buy X, whatever X is, try and make it a bit better. Uh, then I'd buy another X, bolt it on and try to get some sort of synergies or so on. And that was kind of the approach I was coming at. Um, and I was invested in a business at the time called Cabby, which is a mini-cab comparison business and, and, and was sort of interested in marketplaces a bit. Uh, Just Eat was doing well. Uber was sort of here-ish, but, but pretty early days. And I started looking at house cleaning. And, and it's a 4 billion market in the UK. It's growing pretty quickly, uh, which is helpful. The online segment is growing even faster, of course. It's very fragmented. So the biggest player prior to us, uh, you know, would have had a thousand homes, something of that order of magnitude, pretty small. Um, and, and, and there was a, a window which I perhaps didn't necessarily recognize at the time where technology had changed the way you could deliver this model. So historically, you would uh, need customers to pay you by check or by cash. And you, you have a real cash collection problem. That's solved, obviously, with things of the likes of Stripe and so on or direct debit. And on the cleaner side, more importantly, the way you would manage cleaners is they would all come into the office and then they would all leave, uh, you know, on a Monday and come back in on Friday or something. You can't scale past 20 daily cleaners, as I said, you know, person with a mobile phone sort of model. Um, but actually with smartphones, you can put an app on a cleaner's phone and that suddenly transforms the number of cleaners that you can have. Um, and so that was where the genesis of the idea came from and, and sort of circling back to fundraising. What that meant was I said, hey, this market looks interesting. Um, what do you use it? And in a sense, knowing nothing about it was a bit of an advantage because I just didn't have a pre preconception of it should look like this or it should look like that. I just really focused on what do users want? What are they, who are the users and what do they want? Keep building that, keep building that, keep building that. Almost, I would say, to a fault where you know, a couple of years ago, as we became bigger, I think it was, it, you know, if someone said, what's the vision for housekeep? I'd say, you know, do, do more stuff for users. But that's not a very good vision. And, and, you know, we almost had to backwards engineer vision because we just started with, let's build a really great business in this space. Um, uh, so th that's how we started that. Well, I love the story. And um, I'm going to interview you on my uh, podcast, The Good Luck Club, soon. So we'll be able to download your full story. Um, sorry, I've lost the sound, I'm afraid. Uh, that, sorry, I, I did the clubhouse mistake. I didn't press the unmike, but <laughs> but luckily people on Spotify heard what I just said. <laughs> excellent, excellent. But no, um, so I, I was just saying that um, I, I wanted to thank you for coming on today. Um, this, this is uh, a new format, Business for Breakfast, with 20 minutes with insightful founders like yourself. I appreciate your um, views and, and knowledge on fundraising and, and also very excited to see um, what happens with your business. And so we'll be having you on the Good Luck Club podcast soon where you can tell your full story and uh, we can get a little bit more into this fundraising uh, 
this right. game because I do find it fascinating. I think for a lot of our listeners, I would say, you know, out of the 10 inquiries we get a day, you know, three of them about fundraising. So, so your knowledge on this is so valuable to, to the listeners. So thank, thanks so much for that. So we'll I love to help. Thanks for having me. Yeah, wonderful to have you. And um, for anybody that uh, wants to get their home cleaned, um, just ping Avin, just direct. I'm sure he can arrange it for you. Of course, go through housekeep.com. And, um, <laughs> and that's the link in your bio, I believe, right? So just check, yeah. That's right. Yeah, so um, we can follow you on Twitter. I'm sure, I'm sure that's another way to go. But we'll have you back on soon. And thank you so much for taking the time out today, Avin, and sharing your story. Thanks, Avin. Thank you for listening to Pep Talk today, powered by The Purposeful Project. If you found it interesting, please give us a review and follow us. In addition, you can sign up to our website and get loads more free entrepreneur knowledge, as well as get access to Pep Talk and The Purposeful Project podcast direct in your inbox every week.